praying in a certain place. And when he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Don't bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? didn't introduce myself. Most people know, but people don't know me. There's a few unfamiliar faces out there. My name's Glenn Decker. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. Um, And I have the privilege of uh, preaching God's Word this morning. We have been in a bit of a series that's been going through the year um, as we've been exploring uh, moving people in following Christ Uh, And how do we do that? How do we um, be disciples? How do we disciple others? Um, And in the recent sort of month or two, with some breaks in between, we've been uh, into this section uh, of uh, teaching them to obey. So we've been using the Great Commission from Matthew 28, um, breaking up that, looking at some sections of that. And how did uh, Jesus uh, disciple? How did Jesus move his disciples in following him? And we've been going through the Gospels, looking at different things. Um, And now we're in this uh, section on teaching them to obey. Uh, We looked at the Scriptures, we looked at uh, parables, and this morning we're going to look at prayer. Um, And as I was preparing this service and this sermon, if you're a parent here, if you're a parent here, you probably know this scenario that you try and teach your kids something that they sort of know something about. You try and teach them something and you get the, the shutdown comment. I know, Dad. I know, Mum. <laughs> I know already. And I, feel, I felt a little bit like when you preach to church and preach people who have been Christians for many years about prayer, there's a little bit of that. Yeah, I know, I know, you just want me to pray more, I've got to pray more often, more passionately and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I feel a little bit like that this morning. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, I know that when we participate in this sort of stuff, when God's word is preached, when we're together, uh, that it's actually his spirit that does stuff. And that's what I've been praying this week, that as we go and we talk about prayer again this morning, and many of you heard it time and time again, that his spirit would interact with his word and with my words and your hearts 
uh, to shape us and mould us to be a people of God that are passionate about prayer, that are dependent on prayer, uh, that live a life of prayer. So let's see what God may say to us uh, this morning. Uh, Today's passage is um, from Luke 11, and uh, it's Jesus' disciples. Actually, it's quite interesting, isn't it, that they actually come to him, and they say, teach us to pray. And so if you picked up the the story uh, there that Jesus was praying, so they observed Jesus praying, and then at the end of that time that Jesus was praying, um, one of them comes to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray. And so straight up from that, that first verse, I'm going to throw these two questions at you, which we've been throwing at you all year, but this one is specifically to prayer. So the question is, who is watching you pray? Who is listening to you pray? Um, who is coming to you asking Teach me to pray. Um, And as we're thinking about sort of moving people in following Christ, uh, who are you asking about prayer? Who are you asking to teach you about prayer? How are you growing in prayer? Uh, It might be uh, in our family situations, our kids or our spouses, or it might be in our life groups or grow groups, might be um, in our workplaces. There might be people who you're reading books or listening to podcasts or um, talking with others. But how are you learning? How are you growing? How are you asking this question? Uh, Lord, teach me to pray. And who are you helping and teaching uh, to pray as well? So have those two questions as we sort of go through uh, this as well. And so uh, in answer to this question, um, when, someone, when one of the disciples comes and says, teach us to pray, Jesus gives them uh, the Lord's Prayer. Um, and I don't know if you noticed that in this version, in, in, Luke, uh, in Luke, it's the condensed version. Um, so you get the long version in, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, but this one's the condensed version. Um, and I, I wonder if it's a sense that Jesus is already sort of saying, you know this, I've taught you this before, okay? This, this is how you pray. Um, and he, he gives them the Lord's Prayer. And, I, and I'm sort of going to go with that and, and I'm going to sort of come out at the end of some of the things that he teaches after that um, a little bit. And so uh, to a certain extent, I'm just going to skim through the Lord's Prayer because I think it's really important and it's a great um, uh, prayer for us to learn from and to use as a structure in our own uh, lives. So I'll quickly go through that uh, and then sort of come out the end of it. So uh, just going through the Lord's Prayer, uh, again, just remember how we enter prayer. Uh, we enter prayer and Jesus puts it out there again. And this year particularly, I've been sort of hammering this to us and to myself. It comes out of a relationship with our Father God, our perfect Father, someone that we can call dad or you know as I said a few weeks ago dada someone that we have a love relationship this is um, you know the amazing reality is that we get to talk to the creator of the universe the one that holds everything in his hands and we get to him come to him and call him dad and bring our requests our prayers our praise Um, and so how are you going with that how are you going with that and here's a test I want you to test 
confess this. I've, I've been doing this. It's been a little bit... It caught me a bit by surprise. I tried bring, going to, coming to God and using the word dad. So saying dad and coming in and saying dad or daddy. I found it really hard to do. And I want you to test it this week. Have you, have you guys actually been using that language when you pray? To come in saying, Dad, I want to bring this before you. Or Dad, you know how I'm feeling at the moment. Or Daddy, almost getting back to that childlike faith. I think because Jesus hammers this idea that you've got this perfect, loving Father. You need to know that relationship with heaven because then you can come to him with anything. Everything falls out of this relationship that you have with my father. And Jesus, as I preached a few weeks back, um, or on Father's Day in particular, that um, Jesus has, has made sure that we have that perfect relationship. The Holy Spirit works in us. And this is where it all sort of works together, isn't it? The Holy Spirit works in us to enable us to call him Abba Father. Ask the Holy Spirit this week. As you go to pray, ask the Holy Spirit this week to help you to be in that intimate relationship where you can call him Dad. My guess is that you're going to struggle to do it. And Because I, 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 I did. Oh, not that you're all like me. But I just think when you've been in church for a while, which many of us here have, we do get into this habit of a father. And we actually probably lost some of that intimacy um, with God. So that's your challenge this week as well. Uh, Then he goes on to, hallowed be your name. Um, And so there's this sense too, I just put in here, just be mindful who you're praying to. So so we're we're praying to the creator of the universe, uh, who is all-powerful, almighty, who we can call daddy and dad. But just remember, he is holy. He is um, uh, above everything else. Just remember the Bible stories of anyone that comes into the presence of the living God. They pretty well fall on their face before God and say, you are unbelievable. You are amazing. You are all-powerful. You are holy. You are beyond who I am. And Jesus puts these things side by side. And so we do both. We come to him and say, Dad, but we also say, and this hallowed be your name, this is for me a great way just to lift, list off the attributes of God. Thanks, God, for being merciful. Thanks for being compassionate. Thanks for being gracious. Thanks for being loving. Thanks for being with me, even though I drift away from you, whatever. Sort of it can often be a thanks thing as well. And that it's a worship thing. It's, it's, we're mindful of uh, who this God it is that we're interacting with. Uh, your kingdom come is the other one. And the, for me, this is a sense, it's, it's, it's almost a request, isn't it? That we want to see what God wants happening here on earth. And to a certain extent, it's in this prayer that we're asking that to happen through us. So in terms of justice and mercy and compassion, we're saying, we want your kingdom to come through us into the lives of the people in my workplace, in my school, in my family, uh, those that I'm... Uh, bump into and at the supermarket, those that I uh, serve in other places. Anyone, Lord, may your kingdom come through me into this world so that the world would know that you are the almighty God who allows people to call him dad. And so we pray, kingdom come. And often, I think for me too, this, this leads us to praying for things in the world. I'm just giving you a few things to, to hook onto uh, around that. Um, I particularly in the last few weeks, I've just been praying for what's been happening in Syria and 
in, in countries there and, and just some of the, the church there, um, kids, family, people there. We just want God's kingdom to come in that place. We want war and hatred to, to go. We want God's peace and love to reign. It's a way of just where are we wanting to see God's kingdom come? And let's come to our Father, who is the creator of the universe, that hears and listens and answers and responds to prayer. Give us our daily bread. We recognize that God is the provider of all things. Uh, and so we can ask for that. But I, hear, I think probably here in this one for me is that sense of, um, of the practice of thankfulness of just listing off all the things that God does provide for us. So it's a little bit Yo's thing, counting your blessings and just counting them day by day. I think I've said this many times, but it's been a really helpful practice for me, is the first thing I do as I wake up and get into the, to the day is just list off as many things as I can be thankful for. And I, I've told you that. It's, it's things like I can turn on hot water, I can drink the water that I shower in. It's like... Most of the world, that's just unbelievable reality that we live in the most livable city, all those things. I have healthy body. Whatever it is, I have a um, family around me that I can move into the day. And it's straight away, it's aligning me to who God is and who I am because of him, that he is my provider, that he walks with me, that all things are in his hands. And even when it's not going that well, even when it's actually hard to get up in the day and your body's not working or your family's not what it should be. Even then, the practice of thankfulness helps me look at that differently, helps me interact with that differently. It's still painful and it's still hard to face, but there is something, and that's that prayer in Philippians, isn't it? Uh, in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, <laughs> bring your requests before God. So keep doing that. Um, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Uh, for me, that's the, uh, we just need this continued cycle of repent and believe, isn't it? That we recognise that we haven't uh, obeyed God, we haven't lived for God, but we believe the reality of what we just participated in. So we repent and we ask for confession, but we also believe. Uh, and are you doing that? That's that, that, that tension that we hold, that we repent and believe knowing that we can walk into the next part of our lives, knowing that there is nothing that separates us. Um, and again, sort of acknowledge and practice of that. And I would say that um, the giving and receiving of forgiveness is almost the heart of what it is to be a follower of Christ. Personally, asking for forgiveness and receiving God's forgiveness, that should flavour everything we do in terms of life. But then with each other. The practice of giving and receiving forgiveness is for me that unconditional love. Forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it. Forgiving someone who hasn't asked you to forgive them. Practicing uh, forgiving and forgetting as best we can. Asking his Holy Spirit to um, treat each other as Christ treated us and that is he treats us as if we've never sinned against him. Do you treat each other like that? Or do you keep dragging up the history, the book that you've got written of all the things that have happened? <laughs> and Satan is, a, is an expert at bringing them up again. We need to bring them, and that leads us into the next point beautifully. Lead us not into temptation, because the temptation is 
not to forgive. The temptation is to become judge and jury of the other person. And I'll tell you where you did wrong, and I'll tell you what you, how you hurt me, and I'll tell you what you've got to do to make it right with me. <laughs> and we become the, that's the temptation that Satan's going to get us to play. And he'll play that in our own minds too, is that you don't deserve forgiveness, you don't deserve grace, you keep going back to that sin. How can God love you? That's the other temptation, isn't it? Not to believe what God has told us. Uh, so lead us into temptation. It's also a prayer for guidance. Are you guiding, uh, asking God to guide you, lead you, uh, help you to see things for the way they are spiritually, that we would, our eyes would be open uh, to those things? Deliver us from evil. Um, just again, he reminds us of that spiritual reality. Uh, and it's a prayer for protection, isn't it? Uh, we think of uh, some of the spiritual armour. You, are you still play, praying the spiritual armour uh, over yourself? And that the truth and the reality of God's promises uh, protect us. And that we're pr- praying protection over us. So just sort of to the end there. And then uh, we finish it off. For the kingdom, the power and glory is, are yours. Amen. Comes uh, full circle to reminding ourselves of who is in control in this world and this universe. Uh, who it is uh, that controls all things and, again, who we now are because of him. So there's the Lord's Prayer. Quick sort of summary again, reminder. Many of you might have heard that before. Hopefully the Spirit interacted uh, with you in that. So then he comes out of that and then Jesus tells a parable. And the parable he tells, I'm calling it, doesn't have a title, I'm calling it the parable um, I read somewhere, the shameless bloke. The shameless bloke. And this sort of section after, it's sort of almost three parts. There's the parable, the story, there's a bit of teaching, uh, then sort of an illustration and sort of some teaching that come out at the end of it. So um, this story, engage with it. It's sort of nice uh, to think about um, putting yourself into ancient um, sort of Near East hospitality culture. And that is, if anyone came to your house at any time of the day or night, you were sort of obligated to provide them hospitality. Uh, It was a very bad thing not to provide them hospitality. And here is this guy, he's got his friend that comes in the middle of the night and he has no food in his house. So he goes to his neighbour and asks him for some loaves of bread. Um, he's, He's probably not a rich person, doesn't have a lot to offer. The fact that he's got no food in his house and he's only asking for three loaves of bread, he's not asking for a fattened calf or a lamb or anything like that. It's just, um, I just, he probably is not a man of means. And as you're thinking about sort of this in prayer, in, in the context of prayer, Jesus teaching about prayer, I think that's our reality, isn't it? We often don't have a lot to bring. We have not much to bring uh, to God and yet uh, he gives us everything. Uh, think about, so if you're wondering why the other guy doesn't um, come down, uh, in those days the whole family would sleep in the same room. So if he was to get up and get out, he'd probably wake up his whole family and all his kids would wake up and it's just a bit of an um, annoying uh, situation. And then Jesus says, not because he's a friend, but because of the man's boldness or because of the man's persistence, the person will get up and grant him his request. And this is interesting, isn't it? Because God's putting himself as that person. 
We've got to be careful about this because then we think, what, so what is this? Is God just the grumpy old man inside that doesn't want to actually listen to our prayer? Is that what, is that what Jesus is saying? We've just got to annoy, annoy God until he's so grumpy at us that he'll, he'll get up and do something? No, that's, that's not what he's doing. He's, this is what Jesus, and this is what you've got to do when you read the parables. You just interpret a little bit here. What he's saying is he's saying, if that guy, that grumpy old guy, can get up and help this guy, if that guy can do that, how much more would a loving father that is totally committed to you, that totally has every uh, thing that he desires to want to be yours, how much more would God... Be? So God's not like that. He is much more than that. So it's a, it's a good way to... A few of the parables do that sort of stuff. It compares it against... Um, you know, the other one is the unjust judge. He's saying God's not anything like that judge, but even that judge would do that. But how much more would God do that to you? So sort of um, teaching us some stuff about prayer here um, and being persistent in prayer uh, in this. I read one of, the, um, one of the commentaries talked about, he used the word, a shameless imposition. That's what this person is doing. He's imposing himself on the other person sort of in a shameless way. And there is something about this that God's saying, this is how I want you. I want you to be bold. I want you to be praying like this. I want you to come before me uh, any time of the night or the day uh, with what's on your mind or heart or in your life at the moment. And so then Jesus uh, sort of goes from this um, and he says, uh, I don't know, where are we? Next slide, I think. No, we're right. Okay. Um, I say to you, He says, so now Jesus comes out of the story and into a bit of teaching. I say to you, uh, sort of how much, uh, I say to you, so ask, seek and knock. Um, And so they're the points in that sort of next section. Often we get associated those with those becoming, or those words becoming, people becoming Christians for the first time. They do fit in that context, but the context here is more uh, about everyday prayer life. And so in your everyday prayer life, he's saying, ask, seek, knock, keep coming to me, keep being persistent, almost a boldness, a shameless imposition on me, keep coming to me, keep asking, keep bringing your requests uh, before me. And it's almost um, a cry of desperation. And isn't that true, isn't it? In our desperation, that's often when we fall on our knees and come before God and that's when we see people um, turning to prayer. It's in those times where we can't do it ourselves. We need something from outside ourselves. We have got nothing to offer. And Jesus is saying, I just want you to keep knocking, keep asking, keep persisting, keep coming before me um, as your loving Father. And that your Father knows best. He has the power to change the situation that you're in or he has the power to get you through it. One of those two things is going to happen. He's either going to change the situation or he's going to get you through it. In the second part of uh, the the, the story, he then uh, talks about uh, the evil father. If an evil father gives to his kids... Uh, and this is where you get the full reality of the how much more. So if an evil, you know, you, you fathers, even though you're imperfect, how, how do you give to your kids? How much more would a perfect father give those to, 
um, to him who ask. And he's teaching them again. So keep asking. You've got this loving father that wants to um, endow you with abundant blessing. So keep knocking, keep asking. You've got a perfect father who knows you want this. But it's interesting where it ends. And this is where I want us to take us. Because what does Jesus get them to ask for? What does Jesus get them to ask for? He actually teaches them what to ask for. At the end of that, the last thing, he says, I want you to ask for the Holy Spirit. And this is where I want to end sort of our, this sort of section on prayer, is that we need, and I think what Jesus is saying, you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to come on you so that you can pray. Because you can pray through that list of things that I've just given you. Oh, Father, you can do those words all the time. You know, think of the, the cliched picture of the Catholic person just going through the rosary or whatever or just praying how many our fathers and stuff like that. It's just words. But unless there's a spiritual thing that happens in your prayer life, it's just words. And at the end of this, he, he says, I want you to pray for the Spirit. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come on you. I want you to ask for boldness for the Spirit to come on you and to help you to pray. And that Spirit will come on us and help us to understand that when we bring our requests to God, and some of it, that we, we, we have to know that God answers prayer by yes, no, or wait. They're the three options, aren't they? And that we need the Spirit's wisdom and power to handle any of those three answers to whatever we might be asking. And so we can pray with boldness about all sorts of things. Think how big Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed for people to be healed, to be raised from the dead the storms to be calmed and they were because his dad in heaven had the power to do that and so we can pray with boldness for great things for the miraculous for God to intervene but we also know that Jesus prayed with great faith when he said not my will be done but yours I think his biggest prayer, his biggest ask was, take this cup from me. You know what he's asking there is, I don't want to go to the cross or you know, this is not going to be pleasant. <laughs> is there any other way? And God's answer to him is no. You've got to go through this. And so I, I, I throw out this there, your will but, um, sorry, <laughs> your will but not mine. Oh, what is it again? Not my will but yours is not a sign of lack of faith. Because Jesus prayed it. And it was his spirit that actually allowed him, it was the Holy Spirit that got him through the cross. We also know that can be, just like anything, we can use that as an excuse, isn't it? God's still saying, pray with boldness, pray with power. We think of Paul. I, I think of the three times he prayed that the thorn in the flesh would be removed from him, whatever that was probably some sort of physical thing, possibly. Um, three times, and then in the end, the answer was no, 
And he said, My gr- your grace is sufficient for me. And so there are times that we are going to be persistent in prayer for years and years, decades and decades. And there are other be times where we actually only pray for a short time. And when we, then we pray, Holy Spirit, help us to live out that your grace will be sufficient for me. Help me to get through this. I need your power and presence to get through this. So the answer is always there. God always answers our prayers. And I think we need the Spirit to help us to understand that and process that and continue on it and to be bold and to be understanding and to be gracious and to be accepting. It's confusing, isn't it? Because there's no sort of pat answer to how all that works. So that's why we need the Spirit to help us understand how God's interacting with our prayers. The Holy Spirit is always accessible to us in prayer. Paul learnt from Jesus. And in Ephesians chapter 3, there's this amazing prayer of Paul. One of the ways I'm learning at the moment about prayer is I'm learning from Paul. I've got a uh, book that I'm reading at the moment, which is looking at the prayers of Paul. And they're just helping me understand the way Paul prayed. And in Ephesians chapter 3, from verse 14, Paul prays an amazing prayer. And he prays this prayer that asks, and he's praying for the Ephesians, Ephesians 3, 14 and on. He prays that the power of the Spirit would interact with the prayers of the Ephesians, would interact with his prayer and the prayers of the Ephesians. And this is what he asks, that in this prayer, so as he's praying for them and as as he wants the, the Ephesians to pray too, he prays that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you. So in our prayers, we're praying, strengthen us in this. That in our prayers, he prays that the Holy Spirit would come so that Christ would dwell in your heart, so that you would know Christ in your heart when you're praying. That he prays that the power of the Spirit would come so that you would know that you are rooted and established in love. Know who you are. That is, we need the Spirit's reality to remind us of that. And as we keep praying in the Spirit, we ask Him that this Spirit will come and help us to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is for us. And as we keep praying in the Spirit, and as Paul prays in that, he says, I pray that the Spirit would come upon us with power to know that love goes beyond knowledge. Love goes beyond you being able to work this out and be you be able to rationalize out how all this is working. Love comes beyond that. It's a spiritual manifestation of power that comes upon you. He prays that the Spirit would come on them in prayer, that they would be filled to the full. And he ends that prayer saying, Remember to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask according to a the power that is at work within you, the power of the Holy Spirit. To him be the glory in the church for all generations. This will empower us to pray. This is praying in the Spirit, asking the Spirit to interact with us prayers, asking for the Spirit to teach us to pray, to give us the words to pray, to give us the groans to pray, to give us this reality so that we can go with boldness to our Father with anything that we would have his wisdom and discernment to understand how he's interacting with us. 
so that we may pray with shameless persistence out of a loving relationship with our God, praying from our hearts. Lord, uh, Lord, I was starting to pray there. <laughs> I don't know where that was going. Oh, so I actually wanted to talk to you. Um, <laughs> people, church. I want us to encourage us to pray in the Spirit. To pray for the, the asking the Holy Spirit to interact with our prayers as we pray. And I, I want to do this individually, but also corporately. I, I felt convicted to talk to us as his church about this. I felt convicted to say this. People, at times when you pray, you are more concerned about what each other are thinking about your prayers than you are in praying with the Spirit and interacting in his reality. And he's saying, I want you to have shameless boldness in your prayers. Because we're more concerned when we pray together, when we pray aloud, we're often more concerned about how good my words are or if that sounded right. Or and I felt convicted too, because I'm a bit of a prayer hog. That when I pray together, I just need to watch how much I hog prayer time. There's something about this praying in the Spirit that we do together that we need to be aware of these things. And I want to encourage you, church. I want to encourage us to pray with boldness. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with passion and power. And you know what? You're going to need power to do that. Here's why. Because when you're praying that sort of stuff, you become very vulnerable. Your own stuff, your own heart, you think, I don't have what it has, I don't, I don't have much to bring. God says, that's okay. I've got everything. You've now got every spiritual, you think about where it goes, you've now got every spiritual blessing, you now have the Holy Spirit in you. That's how you pray. And when we think in those times of prayer, when we pray together, we think of Jesus' other teaching around this, and he, he said, you know, we're sort of loo- don't be like, the pagans that just babble on because they think that God will hear you because you just pray a lot and pray, just pray over and over and over again. You're not really actually just words. But he also gives words, you know, warnings to the Pharisees who think that they pray because they've got beautiful word-sounding prayers and that they're holier than others. God gives us warnings around that. He says, I want you to pray through my spirit, with my spirit, so today, are you praying in the Spirit? It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery because I'll go to the last slide. I put this up there. Because when we pray, there's all sorts of different ways we pray, isn't it? Sometimes over the Bible, sometimes by ourselves, sometimes with others, sometimes on our hands and knees, sometimes in passion, sometimes just wanting to know what God wants. In all of these ways, we need to pray in the Spirit and ask His Spirit empowerment in these sorts of things. The Bible does give us sort of structures and practices like the Lord's Prayer and other things, and how to, but they need to be Spirit-empowered. So congregation, will you ask and seek and knock for the Spirit to come upon you with power as you pray? And as you think of those questions that I asked at the start, who's teaching you to pray? 
Go to the Master, Jesus. Go to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to teach you to pray. And as you're thinking about who are you teaching to pray, as you pray together, ask for the Holy Spirit to help you to pray as He would pray. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. As we pray in the Spirit, we pray personally, but we pray corporately as well. Let's pray now. Dad, creator of the universe, God who is over all, through all and in all, our daddy, we're in awe of you. We are in awe that the one who holds the universe in his hands is willing to meet with us Call us your children in this hall in Scoresby <laughs> this morning. Be your presence amongst us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that as we do this, it's not just words. There's a spiritual interaction that we're doing here. <laughs> and this morning, as your people, we want to learn from Jesus. And this morning, we come to you and we ask and we seek and we knock in desperation for your Spirit to come and help us to pray. That you would, Holy Spirit, empower us to pray. That all our prayers would be infiltrated by your Spirit. May we know your power manifest through your people as we show our dependence on you, we show our trust in you. So Lord, will you work through us, your church, so that all glory would go to your name, so your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing a song. Uh, this is a song, it's called The Desert Song, and it talks about praying, and I think it's particularly praying in times of dryness. Um, it sort of talks about other things as well, and this is a prayer. And I'm going to ask that during this song, as you sing, as you sing these words, that you would be asking and seeking and knocking for the Spirit to come upon you and to rejuvenate your prayer life, to empower your prayer life to go out from here this week. So let's stand and sing and worship and pray.